have your Bibles, and you can stand with me, Colossians chapter 3. Brother David, it's so good to see you this morning, brother. Verse 5 through 11. Won't be long, we'll have it memorized. <laughs> Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11. The Bible says to mortify, verse 5, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which thing's sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which you also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now, ye also put off these, anger, wrath, Malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing you put off the old man with his deeds, and having, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all And in all, Father, we thank you for your word. And yes, Father, we are needy people, but more than anything else, we need to hear from you. I pray, Lord, would open our spiritual ears and eyes, and God would allow you to work on our lives, challenge us today through your word, and we'll give you the praise. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Our topic for the last 20 years has been our new life in Christ. Not quite 20 years. But the more I study this, the more I realize how thankful I am for the new life I have in Christ. He came and he died for our sins. He became flesh. God did. That he might live in this world and die for our sins. He took my place on Calvary. You can put your name there. He took our place. He died for our sins. And the Bible is very clear. If we claim to be Christians, to summarize in a few words what the Bible says, live like one. Live like Christ. We spent a few weeks in verse 5, and we look at several things about, I don't know, 10 or so, that we are to mortify. Then we looked at verse 6. We found the reason. Uh, because if we live in those things. It brings the wrath of God on our lives. And one thing I know for sure. You don't want to experience God's wrath. It's an awful thing to fall in the hands of a vengeful God. It is. So don't do that. And we found out in our study of that verse. That God's wrath is holy. And God's wrath is always justified. We also took a glimpse at human wrath. And human wrath is never holy. And rarely is it justified. And the Bible warns us over and over again about human wrath. And the only way we can be free from the domination of wrath in our lives is to depend on the Holy Spirit of God to sanctify us, 
cleanse our heart of feelings of wrath and of anger. And as long as we choose to follow the directive of the Holy Spirit, we'll have eternal life and we'll have peace with God. Now, I don't know about you. I am thankful for the peace I have with God. Thank God for that. Now, we also looked in verse 7 last week about our past lifestyle. Paul said, in the which you also walked sometime when ye lived in them. There was a time in our lives, it didn't matter who you are, there was a time in your life when you were caught up in the world, you lived without any concern about the sin in your life, you didn't care, we were dead in our sins, but thank God all of that changed when Christ came to our life. We've been made alive. And the Bible says, when we received Jesus Christ, we were washed in the blood of Christ. I'm very glad you washed. The Bible also says, not only have we been washed, we were sanctified. We were set apart by God. And not only were we washed and sanctified, we were also justified. God declared us righteous the very moment we received Jesus Christ as my Savior. Thank God for His righteousness. I've been washed, I've been sanctified, and I've been justified. And one of these days, I'll be glorified. That's the promise of God. So yes, we used to live in sin. Yes, we we used to walk in these evil ways that Paul mentioned in verse 5. But Paul says, that was then. That was before you came to know Jesus Christ. And God says, stop it. Do it no more. So let's focus on verse 8 and 9 this morning, some things to put off. Look what it says. But now, you also put off these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. If you are born again, you now have a new life in Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And the Bible says, because of this new life, we are to put to death the deeds and the desires that was listed in verse 5. And we're also to get rid of things, not only in verse 5, but all these things listed here in verse 8 and 9. Now, to put off means to get rid of. It means to disrobe. The old, filthy clothes must be taken off before the new clothes can be put on. And as we remove the old life of sin and put on the new life of Christ, once we have experienced the new life in Christ, we're now to live it out, act it out, Every day in our lives. How many know, if you are truly a Christian, you don't have to wear a sign with flashing lights, I'm saved. You don't have to carry a big cross on your back and drag it down the road. 
If you're a Christian, people will know it. I was watching a football game last night, just a little bit of a college game. And uh, I think it was Duke. And their quarterback, I don't remember his name now, but uh, one of the commentators said, and I, don't, I know nothing about this fella other than what they said last night. Uh, he doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't cuss. Now, that doesn't make you saved. I know that. But I would almost guarantee he's a Christian. God has changed his life. Now, they didn't, of course, they're not going to tell you that on, on the, from the booth of, of the broadcasters. But when our life is in Christ, we are new creatures. <laughs> and we don't brag about it. No, people will see it in your life. We've got to live it out. So the first thing that the Bible does in verse 8, uh, the Bible says, but now you also put off anger. I know none of us never get angry. We know that's not true. So what is anger? How do you, what is biblical anger? What's it talking about? It's, it's kind of a, a continuous attitude of hatred that remains bottled up within, within us. And so it refers to what's under the surface. That's where anger starts. Now, later on in our text, we'll talk about rage. But that's what happens when anger is left and not dealt with. Anger can destroy harmony and unity that God calls for among his people. And don't tell me you can't help it. That's a poor excuse. Because handling anger is a very important life skill. Now, those who are professional counselors... Uh, they report that about 50% of people who come in for counseling have problems dealing with anger. Anger will shatter communication. Anger will tear apart relationships. And anger has, has ruined the joy and the health of a lot of people. And the sad thing is, like a lot of areas of our life, people tend to justify their anger instead of taking responsibility before it. And I want to say this morning, and I don't think I'll be wrong, everyone, everybody struggles in different degrees with anger. I'm glad for God's Word. Because in God's Word, we find, I think, some great principles on how we can handle our anger in a godly manner and how to overcome sinful anger. Now, first of all, I want to make it very clear. Anger or being angry is not always sinful. There's a type of anger the Bible does approve of, and it's often called righteous indignation. First of all, just to give an example, God is angry. He's angry at the wicked. Psalm 7, verse 11. God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked 
every day. Now, by the way, if you're unsaved today, if you're hearing, listening online, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, He died for your sins. He can appease the anger of God. And He will if you'll let Him. So God is angry. A second basic principle is that it's okay at times for believers to be angry. Ephesians 4.26 Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I'm telling my age here, but how many remember Phyllis Diller? Huh? She said one time that her and her husband never went to bed angry at each other. Never. She said we spent a lot, a lot of nights we didn't go to bed. <laughs> Don't let the sun go down on your ass. So the Bible doesn't say we shouldn't feel angry. But it says it's important that we learn how to handle our anger properly. We shouldn't feed our angry feelings. We shouldn't let them lead to pride. We shouldn't let it lead to hatred or even self-righteousness. In the New Testament, there are two different Greek words that's translated in anger. One of them means passion energy, and the other means agitated boiling. Anybody been there before? So biblical anger is a God-given energy intended to help us solve problems. That's biblical anger. Remember the time, I know you do, after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, God sent the prophet Nathan to him. And Nathan told David a story about a man. He only had one sheep, and it was a family pet. Nathan said, David, there was a man who came to town, a traveler. And the other man took that one sheep to feed the traveler. And the one that took it had everything he wanted. And instantly David said to Nathan, that man shall surely die. If you know the story, that was intended to get David's attention. But nonetheless, David didn't know that. And so that was an example of biblical anger. David was upset when Nathan the prophet shared somebody who was done wrong, an injustice. On at least two occasions, Christ went to the temple during the Passover. And they were buying and selling Sheep or ghosts to sacrifice for those who traveled a long distance, couldn't bring it with them. And of course, they were inflating the prices. There was a need, and they were going to meet it. What did Jesus do? 
He goes in there angry on how they defiled worship at God's temple. So again, a righteous anger. And neither of those examples did that anger involve self-defense. In both cases, it was defense of someone else or a principle. So that being said, we need to understand that we need to recognize that anger at an injustice brought against ourselves is also appropriate. Someone said that anger is a warning flag. That anger alerts us to those times when someone is attempting or they have violated our boundaries. And I want you to realize God cares for that individual. God does not like anyone being misused or abused. But if we, if we begin to vent our anger without thought, if we are careless in venting our anger, it can hurt other people. It can destroy relationships. But if we keep it inside, it can cause us to become bitter and it will destroy us from the inside out. And it breaks my heart. I've seen even some Christians who allowed their anger to become bitter. And they became bitter people. I would pray that would never happen to any of us. In Ephesians 4.26 again, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So we have to handle our anger properly. We have to. Don't let it cause pride in your heart. Don't become self-righteous. Because none of us are worthy. So we have to reserve our anger whenever God is dishonored or people are wronged. That's when it's okay to be angry. But the Bible is very clear. If we get angry, we must do so without sinning. Let me pause here for a moment. Is that hard to do? Sure it is. And I am convinced we're going to need God's help to keep that from happening. So the Bible says... To keep from going into sin. The Bible says, deal with that anger before the sun goes down. What does that mean? Should I wait till the next day? No. Deal with it now. And folks, you can please hear this. If we allow anger to smolder and burn over a time in our lives, it will eventually burst into a flame and it will give Satan a foothold in our lives and it will cause people to sin, cause people to become bitter, and cause people to be resentful. And I don't want that. I don't want it in my life and I don't want it in your life. Satan can use our anger uh, against one another to destroy our unity. He can use it to destroy our love. 
And by the way, that's what he wants to do. He wants to destroy our relationships. So the Bible says, deal with my anger immediately in a way that will build up and not destroy relationships. So if we use anger correctly, it can motivate us to right or wrong. (laughs) But if we use it wrong, it will burn everyone else around us. So the question I asked this morning, I asked myself, am I angry with someone right now? If the answer is yes, we need to deal with that. So what can you do to resolve the differences? And the Bible says, don't let the day end before you begin to mend that relationship. Jesse read from James just a moment ago, a few moments ago. The Bible says in James 1.20, For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. See, here's the thing. Anger can become sinful when it's motivated by pride. And James said we have to understand something. Our wrath doesn't bring the righteousness of God. Be careful about dealing with our anger because anger can become sinful when it's unproductive and therefore it distorts God's purposes. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. The Bible says, whether therefore you eat or drink, but notice this, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Listen real well. If our anger does not bring glory to God, that anger is sinful. That anger is sinful. And anger becomes sinful when we allow it to linger. Again, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let it happen. Ephesians 4.15 But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him into all things, which is the head, even Christ. The Bible says we're to speak the truth. But how are we to speak it? In love. Thank you, Pam. In love. So we're to speak the truth in love. And we're to use our words to build up others. And my friend, we should never allow destructive words to come out of our mouths. And one obvious sin, a sign that anger is sin, is when we attack the person rather than the problem. Speak the truth in love.
I read a story of a young Christian man. He went to his pastor one day. He said, Pastor, uh, do you think it would be okay for me to, uh, to learn the noble art of self-defense? His pastor said, well, no, certainly not. He said, in fact, I learned it as a young man, and I have found it to be great value in my life. And the young man said, wow, you did? Did you learn karate, kung fu, or some other system? And the pastor said, well, yes, I did. I learned Solomon's system. The young man kind of puzzled. it. Solomon's system? He said, yes, sir. And I found it in Proverbs 15, verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath. A soft answer turns away wrath. And the pastor said, it's the best defense system I know of. You know the problem with us, with me and you? When we're angry, we don't want to give soft answers, do we? We want words that are hurt. That's human nature. And the Bible says, put that off. Get rid of it in our lives. Romans 13, 3, 13 and 14. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongue, they have used deceit. <clears throat> the poison of ass is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and Bitterness. Now please understand, we've talked about last week of how we used to live. That the old life. That was our fallen nature. And, and the sad thing is, what Paul wrote about in Romans 3, verse 13 and 14, those things were common among sinners. And Paul says, none of those should be a part of our lives. We need to put them off. Proverbs 29.11 A fool utters all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. You don't need to raise your hand. Have you ever said or thought, I am going to go over there and give whoever it is a piece of my mind. Can I give you some advice? Keep that piece to yourself. You ain't got much of a mind to begin with. A fool utters all his mind, but the wise man keeps it in till afterwards. I told you there were two Greek words for anger in the New Testament. One means to boil over. So anger becomes sin when we allow it to boil over. Without restraint. It's sin when it results in a scenario where the herd is multiplied. And it leaves devastation in its wake. 
Did you ever try to take back what you said? Can't do it. It's too late. A fool utters all his mind. And the sad thing is, most of the time, the consequences of out-of-control anger cannot be repaired. Anger becomes sin also when we refuse, if you're angry, to be pacified. If we hold a grudge, or we keep it all inside. And so keeping it inside can cause depression. Sometimes masking an even greater problem. So how do we hang, how do we handle that? How, now remember, everybody gets angered to some degree. So how can I handle anger biblically? The first thing we have to do is admit it. Admit our prideful anger and wrong handling of anger. Admit that it's sin. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. How many want mercy today? Yeah, we need it. Confess it. And that means to God and those you've hurt by anger. And by the way, try not to minimize the sin or shift blame. Confess it to God. Confess it to what you've hurt. But also understand, the best way to handle anger biblically is by seeing God in the situation. And this is very, very important, especially when somebody has done something to offend us. We have to see God in the trial. Romans 8, 28 and 29. You know the verse. And we know. And by the way, I love those words. There's the things we can know. Here's one of them. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. How many love God this morning? Amen. To them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What the Bible says here in Romans 8, 28 and 29, and not only here, other verses as well in the Bible, point to the fact that our God is sovereign. He is sovereign over every circumstance. Doesn't matter what crosses our path. 
How many know God is in control? Nothing happens in our lives that God does not cause or allow. I'm reading through the book of Job now, my daily Bible reading. And I don't know how many times I've read through the entire book. God, will you turn your head for a moment? <laughs> I still don't understand. But God, God didn't cause it, but he allowed that, did he not? To come into Job's life. And yes, we know from Job, we know from our own life, that even though God does allow bad things to happen, What did we sing a while ago? He's faithful. He's always faithful to redeem those things for our good. Now, don't misread that verse. The Bible didn't say all things are good. It said all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So God can take those bad things and redeem them for our good. I uh, going through this this week, and when I thought about him being faithful to redeem, I wrote down, God is good. I said, God is good. I, I, yeah, amen. He's good all the time in every circumstances. Psalm 145 verses 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all his works. What a truth. And I would challenge us this morning to reflect on that truth. That God is gracious. He's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. He's of great mercy. He's good to all. And there's tender mercies over everything he does. And if we will recite and reflect on this truth until it moves from our head to our hearts, it will change the way we act to those who hurt us. We can also hang, handle anger biblically by making room for God's wrath. And we need to remember that because there will be times of injustice. There will be times when evil men will abuse innocent people. Romans twelve nineteen. Dirty blood. Avenge not yourselves. But rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. 
What's that tell me? First of all, how many gods are there? Say it. One. And guess what? You're not him. And neither am I. So this verse says, don't, well the Bible clearly says, we are not to play God. That's not our place. God is righteous. God is just. And we can trust him who knows everyone, knows everything, and sees all. We can trust God to act justly. I would hope that you're still praying for Trisha's family, especially her brother, brother-in-law and sister. They lost their son just over a month ago. And we were there to memorial service, and Jeff was asked to take care of that and did a great job. And uh, he asked me some questions before we did a service. What can I say? And I said, the best thing you can tell people is to put it in the hand of God who always does what is right. He always does. That's not my place. I am not God. In Genesis 18, the angels had spoken to Abraham. God did. I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at verse 25, what Abraham says. That be far from thee, from God, to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, be that far from thee. Notice the last part. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? How many know that when Abraham asked that question, he already knew the answer? He already knew. God, I know one thing for sure. Whatever you choose to do, it will be the right thing. I want you to know, church, the judge of all the earth always does what is right. We can also handle anger biblically by returning good for evil. Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul also said in Romans to heap coals of fire on their head. Not to hurt them, but be kind to them. And maybe it'll burn their conscience to realize, hey, there's something different about your life. And the key to converting our anger is into love. That's it. We have to overcome evil with good. Don't let it overcome our lives. And that's the key to change our anger to love. 
The Bible says that actions come from our hearts. But also understand, our hearts can be changed by our actions. Put anger off. Let's stand together. Anybody know the greatest commandment in the Bible? To do what? Say it. And to do what? Love your neighbor what? With all your heart. As yourself. Jesus said, you know, you heard that. Love your neighbor. Hate your enemy. But Jesus has something else to say. I want you to love your enemies. Wow. He also said, when they curse you, bless them. When they hate you, do good to them. And when they misuse you and persecute you, pray for them. Not easy to do, folks. I know that. But God has given us His Holy Spirit to help us make that true in our lives. If you're not born again, it won't work. And knowing Christ is the most important thing. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. And God, I pray that you've spoken to our hearts today. And Lord, I realize that your economy is different than the world economy. And you demand even greater things of our lives. And Father, I pray that we'll be obedient to your commands and your precepts. That we may be truly your children. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes, if you're ready. You want to pray, you can come here this morning and pray.